It's good to see you guys. As I said last week, we were up in children's church getting to hang out with your kiddos, and, and it was interesting. It, 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 was inter- it was interesting, okay? So, so we did some dancing, and, and we, we, Heather and I didn't really dance in front of them. We kind of danced next to them a little bit, and, and, and we had the Monies helping us and the Dixons, and, and so it was, it was interesting, but what we learned was they get it. These kids get it. Your kids get it. So good job. Keep teaching them at home. Keep bringing them to church. Keep bringing them to Wednesday night because they're getting it. Now, I don't know if we delivered it very well, but they're getting it. I'm confident in that. So today, as we continue in our series, uh, as you know, two weeks ago, a little recap, two weeks ago, Pastor Kent talked about fellowship and kind of what that pertains to what it looks like as being a member of the body of Christ, but also on the local level here at Oakton. Last week, Pastor Jim talked about worship and what that kind of looks like. And then today we're going to be talking about discipleship. And that's kind of what we're going to be focusing in on. And this is actually what I talked to the children's church about also, but for your guys' sake, we changed it up a little bit, okay? We're not, we're, we made little crosses, and we talked about what the cross means. I'm going to just go into today believing you guys already know what the cross is. It's not a decoration. It's a symbol of what Christ has done for us. We're all in agreement with that, I'm sure. So as we, as we dive in, and, and when you say discipleship, I want us to first look at, at what is being a disciple, just what that looks like before we get into the the discipleship part, what does it look like to be a disciple? And so I don't know why I do this. It seems like first thing I do whenever I want to learn, you know, what a word is, I hold down the little button on my phone and I go, hey, Siri, what's a disciple? Guess what she told me? She said, A disciple is a dedicated follower of Jesus. In the ancient world, a disciple is a follower of a teacher. A discipleship is not the same as being a student in the modern sense. A disciple in the ancient biblical world actively imitated both the life and teaching of the master. It was a deliberate apprenticeship which made them fully formed disciple, a living copy of the master. Wow, did pretty good. Went to the dictionary and looked it up in the, in, the, in the dictionary. It said this, a follower of some doctrine or teacher. That's it. Like, wow, Siri outdid the dictionary. We need to change this a little bit. But as we're digging into this, as we're thinking about what this disciple means, I want to be clear of something. What it looks like to me And what it looks like to you may be different. Each of us might be going through different things. We're all in a different season of life. That last part of the song, when the night is holding on, somebody might know what that feels like right now. There might be somebody in this room or online, they know what that night is. They can put a name on it. They can put a title to what that night is. But that song is true. And I believe it to be true for all of us that if the night is holding on, we could say the world, we could say a situation, we could say, you know, a, a, maybe a person 
or a, a, a thing going on in our life, a season of life, when that night is holding on, when the world is holding on, when it doesn't want to let go, we can have hope that our God is hanging on. As, as Angie was singing that, I thought about my little boys. When I see them wreck their bike, you know, and, and I got two little boys. Uh, the other day, we watched the youngest one copy his older one going down their bikes down the rock pile, right? Training wheels and everything, cruising down the rock pile. And, you know, they look back, is that cool, Dad? I'm like, yeah, it kind of was, you know. And, but whenever they fall down and they, they, you know, they're hurt, and I see them get back up and they, they want their dad or they want their, okay, Asher wants his mom. But, you know, sometimes they, they want their parents. And I love being able to be there and hold them and, 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 and comfort them. And I think about our Heavenly Father. When we're going through something, He cares. He does. And He wants to be there. So if that night's holding on to you, I challenge you today to call it out in the name of Jesus and to let it go. It says, and I, you guys need to go look it up yourself, but the Bible, I promise you, tells us that we need to cast our anxieties, our worries over to Him. That means that when we cast them over, we don't get them back. And whenever we start worrying or, or and having anxiety again, shame on us because we've already given it up. That says, that says we don't trust God. Now, I'm, I'm, that's a pretty bold statement, and I'm just going to clarify, I'm working on that. I haven't figured that out yet. I just know it to be true because the Bible says it to be true. I'm working on that. Okay, so back to being a disciple, what it means to be a disciple. And I really liked, you know, I don't give, you know, technology much credit in my life. I'm still doing paper version of a, of a sermon, okay? So, but in this case, I was like, man, that's pretty good. I want to I break this down a little bit. If this is to be true, and I, I think I could agree with their statement here, being a, a copy, right? What about the opposite? What about when we call ourselves a Christian, but yet we don't represent Christ, in fact, if the world was looking in, the people that would be looking in at us couldn't even see Christ in our lives. Would we be a disciple? Probably not. Now, there's grace in there, right? We know that. There's grace. But I think that's what I want us to focus in on today. Because once I started down this path of, of doing the study, like I said, a little different than last week with the children's. But I got to thinking, okay, self-examine. What parts of my life am I representing Christ well? And what parts am I not? I was talking about my kids earlier. I can just tell you right now, I'm struggling as a parent sometimes. I got a five-year-old that's just like me. God designed that little boy with the same mouth and the same attitude as his daddy. And it comes out, and I don't always know what to do properly. There's times whenever he's doing it to Heather, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I would have said the same thing, you know, and I walk away. But when he says it to me, I'm like, hey, you don't say that to me, you know. And I'm, so I'm working on this. And so I thought about my first layer of discipleship is my family, is my wife, is my boys. And then technically, then, then it's the church. Because if I can't get this right, how am I supposed to go out and do it somewhere else? And so when I was studying on this, I'm just here to tell you that I, I, I took a hard hit and I self-examined and I'm still preaching it. So I'm, you know, I, I think it's for somebody else besides me. 
But the other part I got to was, okay, I know, I know what's right, but in the heat of it and in the battle, when that night's holding on tight, how come I don't even care to be right? So I wanted to go a little bit deeper. I wanted to go maybe to the root of the problem. How come I don't even care if I'm right in those moments? Now, I'm talking truthful. So hopefully I'm not on the stage by myself, okay? But as we dig into this, I want you to have a background of where my mindset was and how, as I was studying, I thought, man, this is, this is deep. And the reason I bring all this up is because you're going to hear these, you've heard these verses before. If you've been in church very long, especially Oakton, you're going to hear the few verses that I'm going to talk about. I've talked about them in here. I know I've talked about this from this stage. I know Pastor Jim has. I know Pastor Kent has many times. So this won't be the first time, but if it is the first time, let it soak in. If it's not the first time, take it kindly as a reminder. <laughs> Sometimes we just need a reminder as we dig in to this. So back to being a disciple. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. The NIV is my, my old study Bible. You can see I've had to super glue it together a couple times, but it's still there. And so the NIV is where this verse kind of to stuck out to me, you know, whenever I was growing in the Lord and I, and I was first studying and so whenever I got the, the, when we were assigning, we were in the staff meeting, I'm like, okay, well, I'll do, you know, fellowship and you do stewardship or, you know, then discipleship, Luke 9, 23, yes, I'll take it. Here's why. This would be what I would call a life verse. When I was a born again believer, you guys, a lot of you guys know my story. Short version is grew up in church, turned my back on God when I needed to, to turn to him most. When of the world came back many years later of living a very worldly life. And this verse is one of those verses just hit me. It was, it was in my bathroom and it was, you know, on, on my desk at work. And, and this verse really stood out to me. So I would definitely call this a life verse. So read with me. I'm going to read Luke 9, 23 and 24 out of the NIV. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus talking. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now, these, this is Jesus talking. If you've got a Bible with red letters, it should be in red. This is Jesus talking, so we know it to be true. We know it to be true. And if we know it to be true, and we're going to actually put it into practice how we doing? Because <laughs> the, the, the practice, putting it into practice part is sometimes harder than just reading it. So I want to break it down for us. You guys have probably heard, you know, these, these verses before. I do like, I wanted to mention the ESV version. It says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And the reason I put that in there is because it would go back to old series definition of someone who just follows and looks like them and then imitates them. And so the ESV is a little different. It takes out the word disciple, but it still describes it as someone who would come after me. And so, so as we break this down, 
Luke 9, 23 is power packed. There's three big, big hits here. This one verse can be life changing. You need to read before, you need to read after, and you need to take it in context. But very truly, this verse, if you don't have any other verse to stand on, this verse will help you, I promise. And so as we break it down, the first part, whoever wants to be my disciple. Now, if I had my way, I would choose for my boys that I want them to be their, his disciple. And I'm sure my mother, especially all the, the craziness I put her through, if she would have chose many years ago, she would have chose for me to be a disciple of Christ. And I could go on to my grandmother and so on. We would choose it for our loved ones, wouldn't we? If we know the truth, we would choose it for them. But we can't. We can teach them. We can show them. But they got to choose it. And so I turned that on you. You got to choose it. I have to choose this. It's a choice. And we read over this first part and we get to the deny ourselves and we get to our pick of our cross and we're going to do that too. But first, we got to choose it. You're here today. That's a pretty good choice. You took your Sunday morning and you got here. You're watching online or maybe you're watching it later. But you are choosing to listen. And so you've made that. Good job. Good job. Now let's choose to walk in it. Let's choose to let it soak in. Let it choose to, to change our DNA and let it become who we are as we are Christians in today's world. Let it become part of us. And so moving on as we, as we have to choose that and, and, we, and we know this and, and it, sometimes we choose it yesterday, but we forgot to choose it today. And so we need to choose it again. And then sometimes we're growing really good today, but then something happens tomorrow. So we need to choose it again tomorrow. We have to choose. And then whenever we have a brother or sister in Christ or a child or a family member, that's whenever we need, and we see, and we're going to get to this again in a minute, we need to come alongside. I am so thankful for those that came alongside and were gracious with me because I had a big head and I thought I knew it all. So they, anybody that tried to tell me, I didn't listen because <laughs> they tried and I just didn't listen. But those that came alongside in love and grace and it soaked in and I remembered what it was like to be in, in God's presence. And so the next part, we hear this a lot. This is something that, that if this is your first time hearing it, you will hear it again if you're in church for very long. But you are going to have to deny yourself. Now that looks different, okay? Me being the guy that has a, a baker for a wife, it's hard to turn down the homemade cinnamon rolls she made. By the way, her birthday was last week, if you didn't know this. I did not embarrass her, so I'm going to do it today. Yeah, happy birthday. I'm such a good husband. We, I stayed home with help with the boys and everything, and she got up and made herself cinnamon rolls. <laughs> I know, isn't that horrible? I even ate some of them, and I didn't even care. <laughs> now, I will say they were really good, and they were even sourdough homemade cinnamon rolls. They were, they were delicious. But when it comes to my walk, and it comes to my wife's walk, they got to be separate. 
And the great thing about a good, healthy marriage is when you're walking right with the Lord and he or she is walking right with the Lord and whenever you're growing closer to the Lord and you naturally grow together closer to Christ, you will naturally grow together as one. And I believe we, we've all been to, to weddings. We're at a beautiful wedding last week, a lot of us. And we talked about that becoming one. And so whenever we look at denying ourselves... Maybe I shouldn't eat so many cinnamon rolls. Probably true. Maybe, maybe I should watch my temper to my five-year-old as I talked about earlier. It's true. Maybe there's something in your life that's going on right now that nobody even knows about when we're talking about denying ourselves. And you, you can fill in the blank, right? There's all kinds of, of worldly things. There's all kinds of, of, of things that, that may seem natural, right? The, the, the lie of the enemy right now with kids is follow your heart. That's garbage advice, right? The Bible, the Bible says that your heart will lead you astray. So parents, if you got things in your kids' lives that, and, and it's there, we thought we had an app. We're, we try to be guarded, right? We know the big names. You're like, stay away from. I can't say online because I want to, you know, whoever's watching to finish this. Right? I don't want to get kicked off just yet. But we thought that we were doing pretty good. And our boys had these little tablets and they had these apps. And we thought they were pretty good. You know, the, the cartoons, learning cartoons, this kind of stuff. And next thing we know, we see this intro or whatever. And I picked up on it. It said, follow your heart. It'll give you the, lead you to your dreams or something. Nope, (laughs) delete, get it off of there. And then my five-year-old, so smart, somehow he figured out to get it back on. Yeah, so we had to delete it again, right? But we need to be paying attention to these things. So when it says deny ourselves, we in our modern age of technology and social media and, 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 you know, worldly possessions, we need to watch this. And if you don't know what that means in your life and you're married, maybe have a conversation with your spouse. One I see, yes, I'm around youth a lot, but I'm around adults a lot too, is our phones. Those phones have a hold on us. A few weeks ago, we were uh, gone on vacation and uh, Pastor Kent gave me an order. He knew I was a military guy. He's like, that's an order. (laughs) But he said, turn your phone off. You know how hard that was to do? And then I'd turn it on to take a picture, turn it back off. Or, you know, GPS or something, you know. I, I showed me how much I, I try to watch that because I'm not really on social media and all that stuff. I try to watch it, and for someone to give me an order to turn off my phone and me actually follow through with it was hard to do. It was. It was, it was hard to do. Now, most of the time, Heather had her phone. There, I did get to a point, I did kind of like it, where I left it in the vehicle, and I, I was looking around to set my alarm, and I didn't know where it was. So I, I started to get there. I think I needed a few more weeks of turning it off and leaving it in the car. And then I could maybe detach a little bit. Because as soon as you turn it on, you know, there's 50 emails, six text messages, you know, voicemails, everything else that, that come alongside with, with the technology that we have. But sometimes when it talks about denying ourselves, it's going to look different for me, than it is for you. Each of us are at different stages, different seasons of life. What's that look like in your life? There's something to be thinking about as we, as we keep, keep going. 
So this is definitely opposite of the world tells us. As I talked about the kids, you know, the follow your heart thing. But let's face it, the world is going to tell you only focus on who? Me? You. We know this. We, we know it to be true. You, you look at social media. I've said this before. I joke around about it. It's no longer keeping up with the Joneses. I don't think we have any Joneses. Do we have any Joneses? We don't have any Joneses. It's no longer keeping up with Joneses. You guys know that term, right? Because to do that, you actually had to go to their house. You had to know them. You had to eat dinner with them. You actually had to be around them. Today's world, it's all about keeping up with the image of social media that someone else wants to put out there. I know this to be true because we have kids. We take hundreds of pictures to get them both smiling and looking at the same way. Usually one smiles, one sticking his tongue out. One sticking his tongue out, one's looking over here. Right, so we get that, finally that picture where it's coming together. Oh, there we go. We have one picture out of 50. Heather does this all the time too. She sells puppies. If you guys didn't know that, she raises dogs. She has thousands upon thousands of pictures on her phone of puppies. They're worse than kids. <laughs> looking around and, you know, all this stuff. Because you got to have that cute one. So we know this to be true, but, but we need to realize this as, as especially, you know, it's not just young people. I want to say youth, but it's not. It's, it's adults. We need to make sure that we acknowledge this when we see something on social media. It looks perfect. It looks great. That they're still going through stuff too. Nobody has it just scot-free, got everything just handed to them. Each one of us is going through something. So when that song was on, when the night is holding on, you need to remember, I need to remember when I'm (laughs) even wondering if I want to be right, God is still there. And so as we are denying ourselves, as we are, are what that looks like personally to us, obviously it's going to go against the world. We need to do some self-examining that if everything upon our life looks the same as the person who is a non-believer, we need to check ourselves. Because if there is no difference between the non-believer and the believer, except for what we say with our mouth, we're in a bad spot. We're in a bad spot. And so that last part this is really what we talked about with the kids, is taking up our cross daily. Now, I find it interesting. Matthew and Mark have similar verses. They say, pick up their cross, pick up their cross and follow me. But Luke, he's the doctor, right? He likes those details. He puts in there daily. I've always appreciated that, that it's daily. As I said before, sometimes I'm good at picking my cross up on Sundays. Monday rolls around and I'm a little grouchy. Or by the end of the week, I'm a little grouchy. Sometimes I'm just grouchy. So it just depends on what day it is. Am I willing to pick up that cross? Are are we willing to do that every single day? That's why I believe Sunday mornings are so important. Uh, I, I, I push being in church. I know online's okay. But being in the presence of the Lord is, is valuable. Because we need a refresh. I don't care who you are. You need a refresh. Okay? Just going to say it. You need a refresh in the Lord. And I think I need it on Wednesdays. And sometimes I need it before Sunday rolls around again because I need that filling of the Holy Spirit. I need refreshed so that we can go and tackle these things that maybe the enemy is hitting us with. And as we take up our cross... This is the the sign that Jesus gave his disciples. He had just told them, read before it. He had just told them about this. And and 
they kind of knew what that meant. Like, like the people of the day knew what it meant to see somebody dragging across. Okay, that meant they were carrying their destinies, right? They were, they were going out. So they knew what that meant. I'm not sure they, they realized that Jesus was saying, it's happening. Now, they did. You guys know the story. They figured it out. And so, but at that day, whenever Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to pick up that cross and follow me. And that meant that they were willing to die a physical death. Now, you and I, we live in America. We don't, aren't threatened with our physical lives for following Jesus. Praise the Lord. I, I pray that that is for however long my generations are going, that it stays that way. I'm not confident that it will right now. I don't know. But right now, we have the freedom in America to be here. No one had a gun pointed to their head, at least I hope not, walking in these doors saying, you walk in there, you're dead. But there are places on this planet right now that people have to leave everything they know because they know if their families find out that they turned Christian, that it's a death sentence on their life. So it means a little more to them when it says pick up your cross daily. But to us, do we really get it? Do we really let that soak in and, and know whenever he says pick up our cross daily and follow me what that means? I, I had a, a, a few little notes here as I move on. But one of the things I thought about was how when we say this, we, it's easy, and maybe you don't do this, maybe I'm just the guy that does this, but it's easy to say, oh yeah, they, they crucified people back then. You know, they, they pick up the cross. But that same verse pertains to you and I. So we have to figure out, how do we pick up our cross and follow him? And that's what I want to tie this verse together as we move on from disciple to discipleship, is whenever you first choose, then you deny yourself, then you pick up your cross. And when you circle all that together in that power-packed verse, I call one of my life verses, how does it look like in your life? Because mine, I don't really like to admit whenever there's something I need to do because it's humbling. I don't like to, to be humbled. God has humbled me. Praise the Lord, he's humbled me. Because he's still working on me and he's still molding me into that person that, that he's called me to be. And he's molding you into that person he's called you to be. So every day as we choose to follow him and we deny ourselves and we pick up our cross, I look back and I saw my father-in-law back there and, and we, he went to Galveston with us and, and we were traveling and I was driving and Miss Jojo knows this when we went to the annual conference, but I just talk. Talk, 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 talk. That's another reason Dalton is my son. He just talks, 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 talks. And so I just talked the whole way, and I realized I started sharing a little bit of my testimony before he knew me when Heather and I started dating. Because I was a born-again believer when we started dating. But there was a time in my life when I was overseas that I wasn't. And, and whoo, I was a, a dark person. And I never really thought about that until I was explaining it, who I was and the things that we did. And, and don't get me wrong, I didn't do anything you know, crazy. There were people that had it a lot worse. But I know my mindset and how I looked at other people and how I valued their life lesser than mine. 
and how I, as I was talking, it hit me. Like, praise the Lord, I am no longer that guy. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me live. Jonathan, <laughs> we were talking earlier about, we were, we were telling, you know, dumb stories when we were kids, but praise the Lord, we live through our stupidity. <laughs> so we get to choose to deny ourselves, pick up that cross, and follow him. And as I close, I want us to get into this last part. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. You guys know this is the Great Commission. It should have a, if you got a study Bible at all, it probably has a little, you know, title up there. And read with me Matthew 28. And once again, I'm reading out of the NIV. And this, this is, to repeat myself, this is something you've heard before. I'm praying you have heard this before, but we're still going to go over it. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, now this is after the resurrection, okay, this is, they know who he is. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has it. It's his. He came out of that grave to prove it, that it is his. All authority. And so verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As I was putting my notes together, I thought about how I, what I just told you about how Pastor Kent gave me a command to put my, turn my phone off. I didn't listen very well. I pray that you and I listen better than I did whenever this command comes into our life. Because Jesus is saying, for you, for me, for us, to go. And that go, that's an action word, right? We're to, we're to do something. We can't think about going. We gotta go. We actually have to get up out of our comfort zones, out of our seats, outside these walls, and go. And what that looks like for me is a little different than what it looks like for you. I do want to challenge you with something. There's an individual that used to go to church here, and I haven't seen him in a long time, but I try to reach out, try to reach out, and finally one day he said this. He's like, you're just doing your job. You're a pastor. You're just doing your job. Leave me alone. And that hit hard. And I thought, what if the church went? Me being a little spiteful, I about sent his you know, number out to everybody I knew saying, hey, contact this guy. But I didn't. If you're watching, I didn't. But it means something when you guys go. There's a place for a pastor to go, Sure. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely, there's a calling there. But when you guys go, it takes that excuse away. No one can say, oh, they're just doing their job. Because it is our job. Every one of us, it's our job. Jesus said to go and make disciples. And what I want to focus in on real quick, if the praise team wants to come on up, is that last part right there. 
So 19 says, go and make disciples. We know what a disciple is. First, you need to be a disciple, go and make. But verse 20 is what I really want us to hone in on, on the discipleship part. And it says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Everything. First of all, that means everything that we have known is the Bible. We can't pick and choose. We can't take parts that are going to offend somebody. Now, we need to do it in love, but we still need to have it. We can't, as a church, not say certain scriptures because certain people are going to get mad. We can't do that. In love, we need to present the gospel because it is good news. Because we have the saving grace. Just like I was a, a, a worldly person, that saving grace brought me back. And I promise you, if you, were, if you are like I was, and you're trying to fill that God-sized hole with anything but God, it doesn't work. There is only one way. And so as you and I, I want us to decide today, no matter, no matter what age, no matter what season, I want you and I to decide that we are going to go. That we're going to be willing to do what He's called us to do, go back, choose Him, deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and go. Because that's what discipleship is. And, and, and heads up, sometimes it's stinky. Sometimes it's gross. Sometimes it's ugly. But it's worth it. When you come alongside someone, whenever you get in the trenches and you come up and, and help them up out of that lifestyle, it's worth it. Because it says that when one person becomes a believer, all of heaven rejoices. When we started ministry, we said if only one, if one person comes to know Christ, it's worth it. It's worth it. And whenever we, you and I, go out of these doors, I pray that that is exactly what we're thinking. Whatever it takes, whatever I got to do, whatever I got to deny myself, I don't care about the, what the world thinks. I don't care about these worldly things. All I care about is my heavenly Father worshiping Him and going and telling somebody what I already know to be true and making sure they know it too. And guess what? It's going to take more than just say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? It's going to take more than that. It's going to take more than saying, hey, Jesus loves you. Right? Bumper stickers are great. But it's going to take more than that. It's going to take coming alongside them, even when it's dirty, even when it's ugly, even when they don't like you because of it. But you do it in love and you go alongside and you build them up just as Christ has pulled you up. And that is discipleship. And we get a chance to do it. We get to. When you get in it, it's kind of fun. Because then what happens, I'm just going to, a little spoiler alert. What happens is they're going to get excited and then they're going to go tell somebody and next thing you know, they're going to come back and say, hey, guess what? I just led somebody to Christ. It was amazing. And they're going to say, hey, guess what? So-and-so is going to be at church Sunday because we've been talking about it at work. And they're going to go, hey, guess what? Guess what? I just got filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't even used to believe in that, but now I'm filled in the Holy Spirit and I've received my prayer language. Hallelujah. And what happens is people are going to get on fire and they're going to get excited and they're going to get excited. Next thing you know, the ripple effects that we don't need to keep track of are going to be so far out there that you're just going to see the fruit in your life. Because why? Because you're something special? No. 
because Jesus Christ is everything, everything. And we got to choose today. You might have chose yesterday, but you got to choose today too. And so if you guys will stand to, my, stand to your feet, I'm going to pray and I'm going to get off this stage and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work on you. But there is something that's going on in your life today. That night's holding on, let it go. Cast it away. And let Jesus come in and heal. Let the Holy Spirit come in and work His, His way in your life. Surrender to Him. And then do me a favor. Whenever God says does something in your life, be excited enough to go tell somebody. And if somebody tells you something, be excited enough to hear it and listen. Because that's the worst thing. If you're excited about the Lord and you go tell another believer in Christ, and they go, oh yeah, no, yeah great, no big deal. And you walk off. That kind of ruins it, doesn't it? You know, give them some high fives. Give them a hug. Say, praise the Lord. Let's, let's rejoice together of what God's doing right here. Happens to be we're at the Church of Oakton. Because Oakton's on the move. I'm excited for the season we're going into. And I hope you are too. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, if there is anything that, that should not have been said, I ask that it falls on deaf ears. But Lord, if there is something that was of you today, Lord, I ask that it is received 100%. Holy Spirit, I ask that you fall upon us. Lord, I ask that you start working on the hearts and minds of all those that are, that are here today. Lord, we, we give this time over to you. Speak to us now, Lord, and in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. <laughs> okay. Um, at, we sang that song, and it's been referred to several times uh, already in this sermon. And what it reminded me of is holding on to him, and he holds on to you. Remember that song that we keep misquoting? Um, there's a story that popped in my head and I've told it time and time again because it's meant so much to me in that time when I needed held on to um, and so I just want to tell you a little story I love how Jesus told parables in his time and I think that this is sort of a modern day parable because they didn't have hot air balloons back then but this is about a hot air balloon, and I can't tell you the time, and I can't tell you the place. But this happened. This was a real-life event, okay? When they were testing out some of the first hot air balloons, they had to see if it really, if it really went up. So they needed some people to help hold it down to see how much lift it had. And so they had lots of people, lots of men, who, who gathered around this hot air balloon and held on to straps that were connected to the hot air balloon. And um, so they all held on with all their might and they put the fire to the, to the air inside and it started to get hot. And, but they didn't know really what to do next because the air had heated so hot that it started up and it was carrying all the men with it. Now that's a problem, <laughs> because the higher it goes, the, uh, and the more men start to go, oh no, I'm gonna fall. They start to drop off, and the men that are still holding on, doing their diligence, are the ones that are going up faster and higher. And so what happened was that some thought to fall quickly, maybe six or eight feet in the air, and they didn't really get hurt. But the people that were still holding on 
and they were seeing the ground disappear faster and faster, getting further and further away the faster it went. They had to make a decision quickly. Do I hang on or do I let go? There was one man who continued to hold on way up until the balloon disappeared. There were some who fell and broke their arm or their leg, but there was one man who disappeared into the distance and nobody knew what happened to him. When he finally made his way back <laughs> and started to talk to, the, to the, the people who originally saw the balloon disappear, they said, did you hang on? How is it that you're alive? What's your story? What happened? He said, well, everybody was falling off and I knew that if I fell, I would get hurt or die. So instead, I took the strap that I was holding on to because my arms were getting weak and I couldn't hold on anymore. So I decided it needed to hold on to me. So I took that strap and I put it between my legs around my rear and I tied it back to the strap that I was holding on to. And it held on to me. That's how I survived. It held on to me. You guys, when our grip starts to go, and when we've done everything, everything, everything that we know how to do, God holds on to us. And you know, I've learned that in those, those times that have changed my life with how difficult they are, in those times when I've learned, oh my goodness, God is holding on to me, then it's easier in those times that don't make all the difference. In those smaller, less significant times, it's, it's easier for me to go, oh, it's okay. God's holding on to me. I'm doing all I know how to do. I'm giving it my all. God's holding on to me. So that real life parable really made a difference to me. So learn how to let him hold on to you quicker, sooner, okay? Don't hurt other people around you by holding on too tight. <laughs> let God do the work that he needs to do in your life and in their life, but we're not the Holy Spirit. We're not the one who changes people around us, okay?